Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. This week, we went to our Facebook group to decide what song to discuss, and you voted for White Town's 1997 hit, Your Woman. While you may have thought this was a band, it's actually a single person who hasn't stopped making music since he was first inspired to perform after seeing the Pixies live in 1989. Matt and I break down the song, the sample, and the back catalog of White Town to decide if you should check out some more songs or just leave him that way. Your woman. It's one of those songs 
that everybody knows, but you don't know you know until you hear it or someone goes. It's the song that goes... Although that kind of sounds like the thing from from Star Wars. But (laughs) but my point being that we all know this song, whether we think we do or not. I noticed a lot of people brought this song up in the One Hit Thunder Facebook group back when we first started it. And I always remember being like, what is this song people are talking about? But then when I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah. So for this one, we actually did something a little bit different. I was going to pick a song for us to just talk about, and I couldn't choose between four different songs so i put them up on the facebook page and i i let the votes roll in and i was kind of shocked that tony rich project only got one vote from you chris which like that song rips (laughs) so like that's everyone else's loss equally shocked that two other people remembered the space monkeys besides myself but it was primarily a battle between this and the primitive radio gods and it was down to the wire, honestly, it was only like a one vote difference on on White Town taking the win. But I'm kind of glad that it did because my thing with the song is I obviously remember when the song was popular, but like I completely forgot about this song by like 90, 1999. You know what I mean? Like this song completely was off my radar. And then we jumped to the year of 2010 and I was living in Los Angeles and I wasn't making a lot of money. And pretty much the only time that I would treat myself to food that wasn't like ramen noodles was that I would walk to the subway around the corner and get some get a sandwich from Subway. And the one time I walked in there and this song was playing inside the subway and it was like a gut punch. Like I pulled out my phone and I immediately put on Shazam because I'm like, I know this song. What is this song so I can listen to it as soon as I get back to the apartment? And I became obsessed with the song ever since. But I've never dug into White Town's other songs. And I've got some mixed feelings about the music of White Town. But the guy behind White Town seems like a pretty awesome guy, actually. Yeah. Gioti Prakash Mishra, which I hope I pronounced that name correctly. I'm, I'm sounding it out. But it's just one guy. White yeah. Town is not a band. I think he did have a band, like a For proper about a band. Year. Yeah. yeah. But it's mostly just one guy. And he's just there there's a quote that I put down in the notes even though like I really didn't know where it would fall into the general discussion. So I just want to bring it up right now because I think that this quote really sums up how honest and kind of humble he is. Was he said, "I'm a mediocre singer, I'm a terrible guitarist, I'm a pretty good keyboardist and I'm a good producer. Not amazing, just good. <laughs> like, modesty. It's just modesty. That's good. Yeah, like I I kind of love every quote that I've read from this dude. I was like, this guy seems great. Like this is the type of dude that I would love to have on our show one day. He just seems like he's very, you know, he has his beliefs and he likes writing music. And he doesn't care that he only has one hit. He's put out like something like 14 albums or something insane. Like he's just never stopped doing music and talking about the stuff that he loves. You know, I love the fact that he's been straight edge since he was 16 years old. I think that that's pretty cool as a 36 year old who still hasn't drank a beer. And like he's a Marxist, (laughs) which which is an interesting thing to find out during my research. You know, when I saw that, Matt, this is kind of an aside, but it's crazy to me that straight edge is such a normal term that's used. It's like part of the mainstream 
whatever you want to call it, vernacular or whatever. It's yeah. it's like a mainstream thing that came from the world of punk rock and minor threat and everything that like people use that like very normally now, right? Well, I think it's not as much of a label as it used to be either. You know what I mean? Like for a while, I feel like people treat it straight edge like a straight up identity. Like they're like, yo, I'm straight edge. Like I don't like using the phrase, but I feel like it's the easiest way to just explain to someone like, oh no, I just don't do that stuff. Like it's like, eh, I'm straight edge. And like, oh, okay, cool. And then we move on with our lives. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. but couldn't you just as easily say like, yeah, I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> but I well, guess you're you're including then, drugs and stuff. Yeah, in, then it's in, like, oh, well, here, have the, like <laughs> like I've been in those situations where I'm meeting someone for the first time and they just have like the it's almost like the scene in in uh, <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where he's just reading off the different levels of drugs that they have in the suitcase. <laughs> where he's like, "All right, we got some Quaaludes, we got some Coke, we got some heroin, we got some yeah. marijuana and a case of beer." <laughs> it's right. like no, I'm good. I'll just have a water. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got to come hang out with your, pe- <laughs> your people. What's going on? Who are you hanging out with? It has College was wild, man. <laughs> yeah. Apparently so. You know what was interesting when I, when I started researching this dude who had this huge hit? I mean, this was... What? How high did this chart? This was this huge song? everywhere except for the States, honestly. It was a number one hit in Spain and Iceland, number two hit in Australia, number four hit in Canada, Denmark, and Finland. But all it, it peaked at 23 on the Billboard charts, which seems way low for like how often I remember hearing this song. But then again, I was listening to alternative radio, so I'm sure it was like number three on the alternative radio charts when you compare it to like some of the other stuff. Like... At the time, the number one song in America was Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G. and like Spice Girls' Wannabes on the charts. So it was a lot of pop-oriented stuff on the Billboard charts. I think this was probably the biggest, one of the biggest charting alternative rock songs. And what's crazy is in my research of like checking out his other songs, went down the YouTube rabbit hole, is he has this huge song, had a music video set to footage that at least looked like I don't know, something from the 20s or 30s or something like black and white footage or or whatever. And all of his other stuff, honestly, it's, and it's I'm like talking... It's like acoustic guitar stuff. It's weird. I did hear some songs that had like, you know, you know, they were a little bit more like, I don't know, c- club sounding yeah, or something. Yeah, drum machine-y bass. Yeah, I did hear some songs like that. But what I thought was so interesting is for a dude that had such a big hit, judging off like... The videos and the amount of plays on the videos and things like that. It almost just seems like a dude I would know who plays around town. <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> like, but I think that that's, that's to me, like, all right, so I'm going to say something and it's going to sound like I'm throwing shade at this, this person and this artist, and I'm not. I have all the respect in the world for this band, and I know that you've had a really great experience with them. But, like... Mark McGrath and Sugar Ray, right? Sugar Ray before the song Fly was like borderline new metal band. But then Sugar Ray after Fly, they had a lot of songs that sounded similar to Fly because they just kind of found like that was their wheelhouse and they were really good at doing it. And it seems like they genuinely enjoyed writing that music anyway. So it made sense. It feels like with White Town, it was like he had this like alternative rock indie pop sensation club song and then was like well i just want to make the total opposite of that like it's the total opposite of like trying to chase the sound that made you popular 
and just was like, no, this is just what I want to do, man. I just stumbled into this song. <laughs> it it doesn't seem like, yeah, he put much of an effort. I mean, I could be wrong about this, but I'm just judging off like searching for him on YouTube and watching every video I see. But it doesn't seem like he, yeah, he tried very hard to repeat that success. I no. saw music videos and Matt, I saw music videos that aren't what you're talking about. Weren't just acoustic. They were more, they were like more in the vein of this song, but they seem to all have the same woman in them. First of all, unless it was just very <laughs> similar looking women m- mouthing the words of his, the songs, like his words. Did you see any of those videos? No. So I listened to his stuff on Spotify. So okay. I didn't watch any of the videos. I just put on his Spotify and shuffled it while I was making lunch today. This is by far the best White Town song is is my takeaway. Yeah, it seems kind of like a fluke. I mean, <laughs> it, dude, honestly, you can't judge things off of YouTube. Like, that's just, it's, it's not like a total gauge. But I was clicking on songs by this guy that had like 200 views yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. And I'm like... Damn, this dude had like a worldwide hit and then he posted things. When you have a hit song thrown into the mix, it skews everything, you know? Yeah. But it'd be hard to make the comparison of a a band like us who's been a band forever and has a, you know, a lot of albums and like a, you know. And is probably actively promoting your music more. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Like, yeah, no, for sure. But the thing that that caught me off guard was like this song came out it got released in january of 1997 on his second album women in technology and before the year was over he was dropped by his record label which is that seems weird to me you know what i mean like usually it's like oh man they had this big hit and then like two or three years later they couldn't reproduce that success and the label dropped him but I don't know many times that we've read about the label dropping them the same year that they had their biggest yeah. hit. Yeah, give them a chance. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, maybe they were maybe they just heard the rest of his songs or like, you know what? <laughs> we're good. Well, and he he may have also been pushing for cuz he hated that label and he said that EMI had the most inept group of people calling themselves music producers that he's ever interacted with in, in his entire life. I, I wanted to talk about what this song was because Chris, was there a point when you first heard the song just based on the lyrics you assumed it was sung by a woman? I think I knew it was a guy. Okay. I guess I have to listen to it again and think about that. But I I think, yeah, I think I thought it was a guy. And I think he has a cool voice. He yeah. has like one of those very, very recognizable, like very British voices. Yes. I, I feel like his voice, there were a lot of those 80s electronic, like mid 80s duos that had a voice like this i don't even know what you call it yeah but it's also very soft which i like like it's not an abrasive singing style Mm -hmm. at all it's very subdued he said with this particular song that he was trying it stemmed from an exercise of trying to write songs from more than just a singular perspective uh so he said although the song's written in the first person the character behind that viewpoint isn't necessarily what the casual listener would expect themes of the songs include being a member of an orthodox marxist movement being a straight guy in love with a lesbian being a gay guy in love with a straight man being a straight girl in love with a lying two-timing fake-ass marxist 
and the hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up into different highbrow ideals, which is a lot headier than I expected when I started to type up the lyrics for the song Your Woman. Yeah, I got to look at the lyrics. And the hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up with highbrow ideals. What does that mean? I have no clue, but it sounds interesting. (laughs) I kind of get that. I kind of feel like I've experienced that before. It's like if you're in love and maybe you both have highbrow ideals to the point where you're like trying to outdo each other or so I well let's look at the first verse because I feel like he tackles it in that first verse go crazy Chris you're great at reading these <laughs> okay just tell me what you've got to say to me I've been waiting for so long to hear the truth it comes as no surprise at all you see so cut the crap and tell me that we're through I love when songs use the word crap by the yeah. way <laughs> now I know your heart I know your mind you don't even know you're being unkind. So much for all your highbrow Marxist ways. <laughs> Just use me up and then you walk away. Boy, you can't play me that way. Huh. Man, this dude loves talking about Marxism <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm going to really show my ignorance here. I don't know what he's referring to in, in, in Marxism here. What part of that belief is he referring to here? What are these highbrow Marxist ways? What I'm getting at is, to to simplify this, is it saying that, like, you have these complex ideals of the way that people should be and think, yet when it comes to your own personal relationships you don't follow through I think so, in that way. Well, like, let's look at this one sentence. We, we, we're focusing on the hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up in highbrow ideals. But the sentence right before that is one of the perspectives of being a straight girl in love with a lying, two-timing, fake-ass Marxist. So maybe it's also the perspective of, like, a dude who's kind of just saying whatever whatever is going to get the girl to come home with them type mm. thing. So he's pretending to be into the same stuff as she is. Right. And then she's Pre- just like, okay, you're, you're throwing out all this highbrow Marxist bullshit, but you're not actually following through with it. You're just using me and walking away. Right. Pretending to be this intellectual and, and to have these sort of ideals, but in actuality, you're just reciting these things to try to, have sex with me or something. Yeah. And you don't actually you t- even take the word high, take the word Marxist out of the lyrics so much for all your highbrow ways, yeah. you know, so much for you're, you're just trying to seem like you're this great person or you're this very deep person, but you're really not. You're just a fake who's saying these things and acting this way to try to get laid. Is that the, is that the, the concept here? Is that the idea? The idea, is that what you're getting out of this? That's kind of what I I, I think, think so. And then there's the second verse that talks about like meeting up with a best friend who's just, you know, the classic after you've gone through a breakup and you're hanging out with a friend that's like, oh, I never liked that person anyway. I, I like the line. She says, so she said she never liked you from the start. Well, me, I wish I could claim the same, but you always knew that you held my heart. Like, I like that there there's... There's something very real in that lyric that I think anyone could relate to where their friend's just like, 
yeah, no, I always knew he was no good. And, like, part of you wants to be like, yeah, same. But, like, the reality is, like, no, I was totally blinded by, like, the love that I had for that person that I couldn't see the faults that everyone else was able to see. Yeah, I mean, dude, that is so relatable. It's like, <laughs> like when when you're when you're in it, you know? And then it takes not just breaking up, but it takes breaking up in time. And, yeah. and maybe and maybe experiencing maybe having other relationships to look back and be like, ooh, yeah, woof, you know, like now I see that that was like that person was terrible, or even if the person wasn't terrible, it, it could be it wasn't like, right oh, for you. Yeah, yeah right, right, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. So, yeah, that's pretty relatable. For yeah, I sure. Think, I think that this song is a is a good song. So are you are you a Magnetic Fields fan, perchance? Um, I like a Magnetic Fields song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, is it also Book of Love? Because that's the one that I like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know which song it is. But, I had it on, like, playlists back in the day. But, yeah, it was good. But, yeah, they're a very beloved indie rock band for sure. I feel like they get on a lot of top lists, specifically for their album 69 Love Songs. And the lead singer of the Magnetic Fields, when they released that album in 1999, in the liner notes, he made a reference to White Town's Your Woman saying that it was his favorite pop song in many, many years. Wow. Which is kind of high praise. Pitchfork, notorious for just trash in a lot of things, ranked it as the 158th best track of the 90s. Slant Magazine <laughs> listed What it. an honor. <laughs> yeah. Slant Magazine said it was the 72nd best single of the 90s. But like, I wow. do think that they're, they're, it's a good song. And he's still at it, man. He released two albums in 2019. I mean- I give him props for just like releasing music and what, like he said, I'd rather be a one hit wonder than a no hit wonder. I think that's cool. He, he owns it. It doesn't seem like, who am I to say like, this dude isn't doing enough to promote his music because you know, some people make music for the love of making music. And I, I respect that. Not everyone has to be a like a master of promotion or, you know, you, you, you don't need to. And, and, Honestly, it's like actually cooler to not care about that so much. I like this other quote on on top of that. You know, like you said, he said it's better to be a one hit wonder than a no hit wonder. 
Um, and then he, he kind of expanded on that quote and said, to be a professional musician and continue to entertain people 20 years after my only hit makes me feel like the luckiest man alive. Having just one hit that connects with people is something most musicians dream of for their entire career to have. Just dropping straight facts. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, I th- Matt, I think the difference between you and I when it comes to this song is like, okay, we've talked about... I mean, you. first of all, the difference between you and I is like, you're a, you're a fan of this song. I'm a person who listened to this song in preparation for this uh, for this episode and was like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, there's definitely a difference there. But I think that, like, any of my appreciation of this song is just, like, the sample. It's yeah. just the sampled trumpet. The you sample's know, that- doing a lot of the heavy lifting, for sure. And it's a yeah. sample of a song called My Woman from 1932, uh, performed by Lou Stone. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, what I'm saying is I appreciate this song for its sonic qualities. And I'm not looking, yeah, we're talking about what's this song about and and analyzing the lyrics and stuff. But I would never listen to this song, minus preparing for this podcast or talking to you on this podcast. I would never listen to this song from that deep of a perspective i would just listen to it maybe like tap my toe to it and be like oh yeah this is all right yeah no i I mean mean, like i said i forgot about this song for more than a full decade until i heard it on in the subway and was like oh man this song is great but i would never classify myself as a white town fan uh i am just a I am a Your Woman fan, and the song has found newfound appreciation, uh, similarly to last week's episode about NeverEnding Story, because of uh, a modern interpretation of it. In 2020, Dula Lipe sampled this for her song Love Again. Yeah, it's funny. I like Dua Lipa. I like I like a bunch of her hits. Uh, I think she has like great like dance music. Like I love that song that... Uh, if you don't want to see me dancing with somebody. So good. But I don't even know that Dua Lipa song that this is sampled <laughs> in. I guess it was popular. Maybe I would just never heard it. You know, I didn't. I haven't dug into her entire catalog. I just like a few of the hits. But uh, yeah, it's cool when songs could have that reemergence. So basically, she sampled a song that sampled a song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's what's going on there. I got to say, man. I was watching the, it wasn't even the Your Woman video. It was a different video by White Town. And on the YouTube, he had like, I didn't even realize you could do this, but he had like his shop and different t-shirt designs, which were all the same shirt, but in different colors. <laughs> and they were the worst shirts I've ever seen. <laughs> it was it was a shirt just in, you know, assorted colors, just some font you know, some font he got for free online. The front of it said, I could never be ellipse dot, dot, dot on the front. And on the back, it was like ellipse, you're a woman. <laughs> like <laughs> that was, that was the shirt that you could buy for $22. Look, Chris, or I'm whatever. just saying, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for uh, Matt Kelly, I'm an XL. <laughs> all right, all right. He put about as much effort into those shirt designs as it seems he's put into promoting his music since the release of your woman is all i'm saying is like but once again once again who am i to say maybe he's happy as hell maybe he's living off of the the money that he made from this one song i don't know to be fair like credit where credit's due supposedly he was watching something on tv and he heard that trumpet part and like literally was like yo i can do something with that so it's like you gotta give credit where credit's due just having that ear to like hear what what is probably a 
maybe five, ten second moment of a song mm-hmm. and being like, yo, I could take yeah. that and turn and, and have a huge hit on my hands with that. Sure. You know, I'm sure luck is involved, but there is a, a, a something to be said for being able to hear something, recognize the possibilities, uh, go through with whatever, make, creating a song out of it. And having it become a, a big hit, you know, even if you didn't write that part, you just heard that part and and recognized something there. there. There's something to having that ear. But I mean, considering this dude only did it once, I kind of feel like there's a lot of luck involved. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. And in 2017, this is the last piece of your woman trivia that I have. It's kind of interesting. Is in 2017 uh, to celebrate the 20 year anniversary of the song coming out. He put out a new version of the song called Your Woman 1917, where he re-recorded the song using only instruments that would have been available in 1917. So it was like violins and cellos and like French horns and stuff recreating the song, which I was like, that's that's fun. Like if you're going to like if you're going to do like, oh, it's 20 years, let's do something like I think just re-recording the entire song with a completely new instrumentation. It's kind of like um what Weezer's been doing with the OK Humans album. I'm not sure if you caught any of the live footage that they had done from that, but they had done an album where they had this like massive orchestra and they wrote an entire album with an orchestra basically being the backup band. And they had such a good time with that that like Rivers put on a live stream show where they performed the album from front to back. But then for the last half hour, they reimagined some of the most popular Weezer songs as performed by an orchestra with him singing over top of it and like some of the songs from pinkerton sound amazing with a full Uh, orchestra behind it like i mean that's one of those things that i don't understand why every band that's big enough to be able to do that don't do it i mean i know you know a bunch have and believe me the second i get the opportunity uh, you know, a punchline song gets big enough that we could afford to have, uh, yeah, to go to Heinz Hall and have the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra back us up and have a film crew and film that and capture that and do punchline songs with a full orchestra. Oh, yeah. You better believe it's, we're going to do that. It sounds amazing. The best stuff Metallica ever put out was those live albums with the orchestra backing them up. Like, it's always going to be amazing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's say. You know, we're getting really close to 25 years of Punchline. If you were to celebrate the 25-year anniversary of just Punchline being a band and you could only do an orchestra version of one song from your catalog, what's the song that you're pushing for? I mean, you did the cello version of Universe. So that, that one that. that one really lends itself to it. To You know, because you got to think about, like, you can't just pick the, a song that you like playing. You got to think about, like, how it's going to be presented and arranged by the orchestra and i think yeah i mean universe is an obvious one but i think darkest dark could be a cool one too for for an orchestra yeah i don't know we have a lot of songs i'd have to uh, off off the top of my head i i don't really know maybe maybe a new song (laughs) what's um hold on a second there's one that just came to me is it times that remember when what's the one that has like the Uh, remember when yeah that's yeah, got yeah. like the gang vocal oh's right. thing da, in the back. Da, 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 yeah, da, dude, da, da, I could hear an orchestra playing the shit out of that part. That's true. That's a pretty good point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. 
All right, I'll maybe pick not that the one. whole song, but like it builds yeah. up to this point where all of a sudden you've got like French horns and violins. Just that's going to be the outro song from this episode. I can already tell you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Another tale of remember when. I'll go with that one. I like yeah, that that's perfect. Song. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, Chris, what's your final thoughts here on White Town? Well, we one thing I have to say that we we didn't talk about before we say this is the song peaked at number twenty three in the United States. Now it was on May third, nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. At the same time, on there we had Duncan Sheik's "Barely Breathing" was at number nineteen at that time. Another song that we obviously loved. I think we voted that as our favorite song when we did like our uh, year wrap up of episodes we done. We, that was our favorite one so far. And also on the charts at the time were like "Where Have All the Cowboys Gone" by Paula Cole. Return of the Mac was on there. Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. Number one song at that time was "Hypnotize" by Biggie. As far as my thoughts. Ah, I mean, the song itself, you know, if I thought the song itself was like, dude, this song's so amazing. The song itself, I'm just kind of like, it's pretty good. (laughs) And then there's no follow up. There's no like real follow up to it. I mean, I guess he's made lots and lots of music, but nothing that's, you know, in my limited YouTube rabbit hole dive really caught my ear. I mean, maybe if I dove deeper, there would be, but definitely nothing that caught the ear of the world the way this song did man this is you know this is a blunder i i mean i'm i'm gonna completely agree with you as someone who probably has a little bit more love for this song than chris but i couldn't i couldn't find anything else in the back catalog that i really could cling to um i do think that your woman is a good song but it's also like you said it's not like you know i'm not like going ride or die i'm not sitting there being like you know what was the best song of the 90s was your woman by white <laughs> like dude i mean to your point earlier his attitude about having a one hit wonder that's what i mean the thunder. person the person i uh, i mean again i open invitation if if he stumbles upon this episode absolute open invitation we would love to have you on you seem like a good positive modest person that's just like doing your thing and i absolutely if nothing else i want one hit thunder to be remembered as a show that celebrates that type of attitude in life so you know feel free to come and set the record straight on highbrow marxist ways i'd love to know more about what that means overall yeah the songs of like white town themselves as an entity is a blunder to me but i i really do truly love this song uh and the 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 guy behind it all seems great. Yeah, G.O.T. I think that's how you say his name. If I'm mispronouncing it, forgive me. But G.O.T., if you want to defend yourself, if you want to say, no, you guys are wrong or, you know, prove it, I'm down. Like, I, I'm i giving it a blunder based on I just don't think that, you know, he followed it up. You know, he, he didn't. I mean, no one can say he did. I mean, minus... If he's making music that makes him happy and whatever, that's like the ultimate thunder. It doesn't matter what we think. You know, that that's just the, the situation. I respect that, you know, you, you said he put out tons and tons of albums, right? Yeah, he put out two albums in 2019 alone, but he's never stopped right. putting out music. I mean, that's amazing. I love that. Seven full lengths, including an album that literally just came out May of this year called Fairchild Semiconductor. And then additionally, there were seven EPs. So yeah, about 14 releases um, from 
Yeah, from 1990 up until 2001. His first album, his first feature-length album, was called Socialism, Sexism, and Sexuality. So covered a lot of the uh, the topics that I feel like it's covered in the song Your Woman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, that, definitely his thing. And I can't say I disagree with, you know, w- what I believe is his worldview. It seems like someone of, you know, someone I, I would agree with about things, but... I'm giving him the blunder, but that's that could be swayed if GOT wants to come on and, and change our minds, is what I would say. <laughs> All right. No, I can't take another tap. Remember when I think I know this one, but then you tell me again. You're blowing up the details that ain't how it happened. From New this has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Othalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing another tale of Remember When off the Punchline album, Lion. Visit punchlion.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.